Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Friday, July the 29th. 2022, praise be to God. July is almost over. I mean, glory be to the Lord. Thank you. We're almost out of July. August is right around the corner. And you know what that means? Well, at least in the great state of Texas, hunting licenses need to be renewed. So great opportunity. Pick up your combo pack, fishing, hunting. What are you laughing about, Rudy? Combo pack? Yeah, you got to get both the fishing and the hunting. You save some money. Does it come with fries? Uh, Well... It and could come with like deep fried fish. <laughs> it could come with that if you're if you're successful anyway. But you do have to get the salt water add on if you if you go that route. Let's do a, mm-hmm. a a CDT hunting excursion. Yes, I like this idea. This is a great idea. Twenty of us. Ooh, that's too much. <laughs> I don't like the competition. Okay, I like more meat in the freezer. So maybe that with the three of us and then like a CDT listener. Sounds good. That would be fun. Yeah. That'd be a good time. Praise (laughs) be to God. Hey, here's a question. Should Catholics put themselves in situations or occupations where they would not have access to the sacraments for a very long time? Hmm. Think about early exploration of, you know, like uh, Christopher Columbus, or how about those pioneers post-American Revolution, or how about oil rig workers, or people in the military, or people who work on cruise ships, or or container vessels, or people stationed in the Antarctic, or how about people who go into the space station, or maybe the folks that are getting ready to go to Mars soon. Should those Catholics participate because they wouldn't have access to the sacraments for extended periods of time. We're going to have that conversation with Charles Cologne coming up at 35 past this hour. He's with Tumblr House, and uh, I think it ought to be a very fascinating conversation on this Friday. Uh, Adam Minaham is going to be on. He is the host or co-host of a radio program up in Oklahoma called The Catholic Man Show. And they've recently published a book called Making Your Home a Holy Place. We'll talk with Adam at 15 past the hour. And at the top of the next hour, Dave Palmer is going to be our guest. He is the host of Back to the Father, and he's going to talk about the right of matrimony uh, from Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologica. The one question Thomas failed to ask. We're going to find out with Dave Palmer at the top of the next hour. Lots of stories in the news, of course. The U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis is saying, yeah, we're pretty much in a recession, two quarters in a row of uh, shrinkage in the GDP, so uh, record inflation. Yeah, that's called recession, at least to everybody outside of Washington, D.C. Speaking of D.C., the mayor there, Mayor Muriel Bowser, is uh, activating the National Guard. Because although she said she loved D.C. as a sanctuary city for illegal immigrants, they're all welcome. Now apparently they're not. And uh, she wants the National Guard to help enforce that. Federal judge throws out Nick Sandman's lawsuit against mainstream media outlets. Uh, The Air Force officials were ordered by U.S. District Judge to stop disciplining airmen who are seeking religious exemptions to the military COVID-19 vax mandate. And guess who, Rudy Carlos? Guess which states uh, are being the most affected by, I'm talking to the tune of $6 billion, 
are being affected by Chinese in, uh, uh, firms purchasing mostly residential properties in the United States. Which state? Can you guess? Can you guess? Well, mm -hmm. I'm going to have mm -hmm. to guess either somewhere mm -hmm. in the middle of America mm -hmm. or the south. Mm -hmm. Adrian, good morning to you. Any guesses? Good morning. Which states are seeing the most purchases by Chinese investment firms? Texas. Uh, negative. Oh, Oklahoma. Wow. Oh, Oklahoma is on the list. 5%. <sighs> nice. 5%, but their worst offenders are New York and, uh, and California, and California by far 31%, California 10% New York. The next biggest offenders are Indiana and Florida. Texas is not even on the list. You know what's shocking to me about what you said, Joe? What's that? It's the fact that Bowser's kicking Mario out of her city. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yikes! Yep. There you <laughs> go, folks. Inside there, Joe. Mm -hmm. well, there you go. Well, it's at any rate, Mario. I find it very concerning that Chinese industries, uh, Chinese uh, investment firms, are spending six billion dollars purchasing mostly residential properties all over the United States. This is uh, part of what the uh, governor in Florida is trying to raise alarm on. Uh, but nonetheless, nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. All right, we have a lot to uh, to do today on the program. Hopefully, you'll join us for most of it, or if not all of it. Do us a favor, though, and uh, share us with a friend along the way. Let's pray. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today's Friday, July 29th, and here are your headlines this morning. Breitbart reports, Joe Biden says... Americans complaining about inflation forgot we send them a check for $8,000. The president spoke about the trillions he spent in the Democrat-passed American Rescue Plan during a conversation he had with his economic advisors on the state of the economy. His mention of the $8,000 check was likely a reference to the temporary expansion of the child tax credit provided to some families in 2021 until it expired this year. He pointed out that even for Americans making well over $120,000 a year, $8,000 should have meant a lot to them. The Epic Times reports, U.S. economy slips into recession as inflation weighs on growth. The U.S. economy contracted in the second quarter, marking two consecutive quarters of negative growth, which is a common definition of a recession. The gross domestic product shrank 0.9% at an annualized pace, following a drop of 1.6% in the first quarter, the Commerce Department said on Thursday. The much-anticipated GDP report also, slowed, also showed rather, that real personal income fell 0.5% and that personal saving as a percentage of a disposable personal income dropped 5.2% in the second quarter from 5.6% in the first quarter. The Hill reports rescind the doctrine protest greets Pope in Canada. Right before Mass began, two indigenous women unfurled a banner at the altar of the National Shrine of St. Anne de Beaupre that read, Rescind the Doctrine in bright red and black letters. The protesters were escorted away from the Mass, and the Mass proceeded without incident, though the women later marched the banner out of the Basilica and draped it on the railing. Beyond the apology, indigenous peoples have called on Francis to formally rescind the 15th century papal bulls, or decrees, 
that provided the Portuguese and Spanish kingdoms the religious backing to expand their territories in Africa and the Americas for the sake of spreading Christianity. And the Daily Caller reports Biden tries to reassure China's president as Pelosi plans to visit Taiwan, sparking tension. Biden and Xi spoke on Thursday morning amid ongoing tensions between the two countries. These tensions have only been exacerbated with the news that House Speaker Pelosi was mulling over a trip to Taiwan. The U.S. has long recognized the one-China policy in which the Chinese government is the only government. Still, the U.S. has an unofficial relationship with Taiwan that includes arms sales. While the White House's readout provided sparse details of the Taiwan discussion, Chinese state media reportedly offer up a much harsher view of that portion of the talk. Xi, according to Chinese state media, told Biden that public opinion shall not be violated, and if you play with fire, you get burned. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day, well, first I have to mention the fact that it's the feast of many Dominican martyrs today who were martyred in China and Japan and other Asian countries. But the saint of the day is Blessed Urban II. Pope Urban II was born in 1035. He was Pope from 1088 to 1099. Urban II was born in Lagarie, France. He became prior of the, the nearby Abbey of Cluny and later was promoted to Cardinal Bishop of Ostia. He became an ally of Pope Gregory VII, who was leading reforms in the church, such as cracking down on corruption, the selling of church offices, and centralizing power in Rome with the Pope. Gregory VII's recommendation was important in leading Otto, which was the future Pope Urban II, to being elected Pope Urban II in March of 1088. Urban II continued the Gregorian reforms, but was with a degree of flexibility and awareness of political possibilities. He would say, quote, the church shall be Catholic, chaste and free, Catholic in faith and the communion of saints, chaste from all contagion of evil and free from all secular power, end quote. We need that kind of energy right now. On the 27th of November, 1095, Pope Urban II gave one of the most influential speeches of any pope. In response to the presence of Muslim rulers controlling Eastern Europe and Jerusalem, Urban II called for his fellow Christians, Christians to join together in a holy crusade to regain Jerusalem from the present Muslim rulers. He said, quote, I, or rather the Lord, beseech you as Christ's heralds to publish this everywhere and to persuade all people of whatever rank, foot soldiers and knights, poor and rich, to carry aid promptly to those Christians and to destroy that vile race from the lands of our friends. I say this to those who are present. It is meant also for those who are absent. Moreover, Christ commands it. End quote. All who die by the way, whether by land or by sea or in battle against the pagans, should, shall have immediate remission of sins. This I grant them through the power of God with which I am invested. The effect of this speech was electric. It's reported people in the audience responded with a wave of enthusiasm. One report says, Scarcely had the Pope ended his words before the Bishop of Lepore rose from his seat and kneeled before his throne, begging permission to join this holy expedition. Hundreds crowded up to follow his example. The slogan used by Christian crusaders was, God wills it, or Deus Volt. The appeal of Urban II had the effect of uniting Western Europe in a common purpose and helped to strengthen the supremacy of the Pope and reduce national divisions, such as the rival Holy Roman Empire. Whoever for devotion alone not to obtain honor or money shall set out to free the Church of God at Jerusalem. That shall be counted for him all penance. 
Urban II also specifically encouraged Christians to continue their fight against the Moors in Spain. He hoped the Crusades would lead to a reuniting of Eastern and Western churches. The First Crusade led to capture Jerusalem by Christian armies. Urban II died on the 29th of July, 1099, two weeks after the fall of Jerusalem, but before the news reached him. Pope Urban was beatified in 1881 by Pope Leo XIII. Blessed Urban II, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Adrian, you got about a minute and a half here. Uh, what did uh, Cornelius Lapide have to say? Yes, so the it's reference to the the passage today in Luke, she said he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. This shows that the contemplative life is actually a greater life than the active life. We often will conflate the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy, because remember, there are both. We tend to only focus on the corporal works, but also the spiritual works of mercy exist, and not only do they exist, but they are actually primary. They hold a greater place, a, a place of primacy before the corporal works of mercy. The corporal works of mercy of feeding the hungry and giving drinks to the thirsty, sheltering those who are homeless, those things are at the service of giving them their spiritual needs, admonishing the sinner, bringing them, uh, instructing the ignorant, those kind of things. Those are what we are called to do. But even in a greater sense, being like a nun or being like a monk, and having that life of contemplation where you are having one-on-one -on -one time with our Lord, that is the perfect life because that is what you're going to do in heaven. That's what your life will look like in heaven. And so in order to live that life, we need to start directing ourselves in that way by living our lives with our focus on higher things, that is namely God. Praise be to God. All right, coming up after the break, we are going to have a great conversation about a brand new book being published by Ascension Press called Living Beyond Sunday. The co-host of the Catholic Man Show and a radio station up in Oklahoma is going to be on, so don't go anywhere. Living Virtuously is coming up next. Protestants use 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3 against the Catholic practice of consecrated celibacy and Lenten observances because Paul calls the forbidding of marriage and the consumption of meat doctrines of demons. Do Catholics need to be exercised? No. And here are some reasons why. First, Paul can't be condemning consecrated celibacy because in the next chapter he gives Timothy instructions on proper implementation of consecrated celibacy with regard to enrolled widows. Also, Paul can't be condemning all forms of abstinence from meats since he was part of the decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15 that decreed Gentile Christians abstain from meats offered to idols. 
What Paul was condemning is the Gnostic belief that nobody should marry and that one should always abstain from meats because matter is evil. So, fear not, Catholics, you have no need for an exorcism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Charles Colomb from Tumblr House is going to be our guest. Here's a question. Should Catholics put themselves in situations, uh, work or otherwise, where they wouldn't have access to the sacraments for extended periods of time? What about the risks involved there? What about Sunday obligations? We're going to talk to Charles Colomb about that. Coming up, so stick around for that. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is Adam Minahan. He is the uh, the co-host of a radio program called The Catholic Man Show. He is also a co-author of a brand new book published by Ascension Press called Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Good morning to you, Adam. Hey, good morning, Joe. I appreciate you, ha you having me on. This is actually the second time I've actually met you before. I don't. You probably don't remember this. But about six, seven years ago, I met you at the EWTN Catholic Radio I do. Conference. I remember. Praise be to God. That was a good yeah, time. Yeah, it was so awesome because, <clears throat> so you know, at, at the conference, you have, you have all the, the things that happen throughout the day. And then people get together at the end and, and you know, they chat and, and talk about the, what's going on. And I was a, a nobody from, from Tulsa. And uh, I saw <laughs> all of you guys walking up the stairs, like you and Teresa Tomio and Patrick Coffin, and like all these guys who were like the big guys Wrong, in yeah. radio. <laughs> right. And I saw, I saw you guys walking up and I go, I'm just going to follow. And I like just snuck in there. No one really said anything to me there. Everybody was really kind, but uh, they, I just kind of snuck in, and I got a chance to like just sit there and listen to I think you and Father Mitch Pacwa and uh, Teresa Tamio just talk about Catholic radio, to talk about you know evangelizing, and uh, it was it was such a a cool. I remember talking to you, and I remember thinking because I went to broadcasting school in Oklahoma City, and I oh. thought, oh, cool. Oklahoma has Catholic radio. This is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, that was so much fun. I, yeah, that praise was a, be to a God. Very memorable moment. Uh, well, let's talk about your book, uh, "Living Beyond Sunday: Making Your Home a Holy Place." Tell me about this book. Sure. So yeah, Dave and I, my, my best friend David and I, we've been best friends since five years old. So that's amazing. It's kind of a, a unique friendship, right? There's not very many people who have best friends since five years old. Uh, we grew up in the same parish together. Our parents were best friends. We went to high school together. After college, we moved in together. And that's actually what started the Catholic radio station here in Tulsa. Dave and I started it. Um, and we started growing in faith together. And that started uh, the Catholic Man Show. And we lived across the street. Now we live across the street from each other. Our, our kids get a chance to grow up together. So it's just it's such a cool dynamic, right? Because awesome. as you know, Joe, uh, the older your kids get the more benefit it is to provide them with good holy friends right it's that's just such a gift um, and so uh, as we were developing these th this book we thought well let's bring our wives into this project with us and get their take and so 
my wife, uh, Dave's wife, David and I, we all sat down and kind of mapped out what do, we, what do we think it takes to build a holy family, to build a holy home. And so we mapped it out basically in 10 chapters, and our wives took some of them, Dave and I took some of them, and then we kind of like, me and my wife took one, Dave and I, so it's just different perspectives uh, and different tips and tricks that we've learned along the way that our parents taught us um, that we wanted to, to share with other people. You know, it's interesting you just said uh, your parents taught you. Um, my wife and I both come from very broken homes, so we've never had good parents, you know, good relationship modeled to us. So we've always felt in our 22 years of marriage that we're just making it up as we go most of the time. You know, we see what we see younger families. Uh, we're traditional Catholics, so we go to a, uh, a a church that's overly packed with young people, and uh, and we see these beautiful young families, and we see these beautiful young couples raising these kids, and we're like, oh, what a gift, what a what a beautiful thing that their kids get to see this from the beginning. Um, it, it, I, that really does make a big difference in their lives, doesn't it, Adam? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we are supposed, as, even as fathers, right, we're supposed to show, we're supposed to be the first people who show the love of the Father to our children. And so if we're not the first people that's going to do it, they're going to start, start searching for a different type of love or different loves from other people. Um, so it's very important as uh, as a married couple that they see that husband and wife together in union love our Lord Jesus Christ that they that we take time to pray with one another that's another thing uh, Joe I think as you probably have realized with with kids that it's it's tough to carve out and be very yeah. intentional about family prayer that's a tough thing to do I think and yeah. because without crazy things are uh, you know extracurricular activities are invading uh, Catholic dinner time together, you know, mm. having meals together. And so it's, it's tough. It's tough to be able to uh, be intentional about living your Catholic faith sometimes uh, in, in your home. Yeah, I remember my, uh, my friend Doug Pearson, God rest his soul, he, he was my boss many years ago, died of cancer, unfortunately. And uh, towards the end of his life, he challenged me to pray the rosary with my family. And so I began praying the rosary daily and uh, I even taught myself to pray it in Portuguese, which is my wife's um, uh, family's native language. And that sort of piqued the curiosity of some of my kids who then joined me, and then sort of my wife came along with that. And now we pray the rosary every single night as a family, and we do it uh, no matter what time or whatever we're doing, doesn't matter. Oh, we pray that rosary every single night as a family. And that's been, that's been a huge deal, but it's, it is, as you say, I think very hard to commit to. Yeah, and so I think one of the ways we could possibly, you know, make it a little easier is that if we're all having dinner together, you know, obviously we have the 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 the, the blessing at the beginning, right? But here's something that that my family and I have done that we found has been very beneficial to continue uh, praying together is after dinner, Dad gets up and right behind me at, at, on my kitchen table I have a whiteboard, okay, and everybody's name is on the whiteboard, and then everybody also has intentions that they get to fill out. Uh, they get to say, I, want, I would like to pray for X, Y, or Z. And then through what, inner, what saint do they want to pray through? So this is a visual reminder that, oh, Luke is wanting to pray for you know, football camp tomorrow through the intercession of St. Christopher. Right, and so, or, so each family member gets a chance to go. And then at the end, we all pray together. Mm. And it's a visual reminder throughout the day uh, tomorrow of 
oh yeah, I remember, you guys need me to pray for that. And um, it's a great way to incorporate prayer, but also incorporate um, the beauty of uh, them loving the saints and incorporating the saints in prayer and calling upon the saints to pray for us and pray for our family and pray for specific intentions that our family um, may, need, may need to be prayed for. What's your favorite part of this book? My favorite part of this book was was actually <laughs> was actually the very end. Uh, so we 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 go through all of uh, we go through marriage, hu- uh, fatherhood, motherhood, living liturgically, uh, being servants to one another within the home, uh, holy leisure, which is something that I don't think that a lot of people really think about. Like what does Sunday what is Sunday supposed to look like mm. um, as a Catholic? But then also the language of the church. So Joe, if y- y- you know this, if we say uh, you know the Lord be with you, they say and with your spirit. There's a liturgical uh, communication that we all know and love, but there's also this language within the home that we all should know and love. That include include like I'm sorry, thank you, the virtuous words, right? If we use virtuous words throughout the day, those words become the goal. So if I say instead of just saying Hey, you did a great job, but Hey, you were very virtuous there, Luke. Thank you so much. Or using these the the, the actual virtuous words, those words become the end goal, and they are more aware of the different uh, cardinal virtues, the different virtues um, throughout the life. But my, my favorite part of the book was actually the very end, which we go, so you build, out, you build up your domestic church. The last chapter is on hospitality. Mm. And this is what it's all about. You know, this is like mm. we have to be able to form ourselves, form our family, grow in, in our Lord, but it's not just for us. It's not for just within our home. It's to share the gospel with uh, everybody. Who is our neighbor? Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I actually knew, oh, there's the Johnsons, that's the Smiths, that's, you know, I knew the people around me in my neighborhood. I don't actually know all the names <laughs> of the people in my neighborhood anymore. Right. And so it, this is a call, and it was a good reflection for me, actually, and for my family, that um, as Catholics, we're called to evangelize, we're called to bring people in. Yeah. And so in order to do that, you have to have strong and understand what hospitality truly is. I love that, Adam. That's that's fantastic because, you know, we do focus a lot on uh, building our domestic church at home, right? And eventually our kids are going to have to go out into the world. They're going to have to go and uh, uh, connect with other people. And why not uh, start connecting in your own community uh, and, and, and start evangelizing, right? I mean, we have to go out at a certain point and... Um, you know, you start with with the people that are local to you, and you you build up that community where you live. That's that's awesome. Right. I mean, you know, part of being a father, what is it to protect, to provide, and that last one to establish. Mm-hmm. Right. I need to establish my kids so that way they are ready for the world, for the secular world. You know, to be able to combat that stuff, but to be able to 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 have uh, the know, the wherewithal, the understanding that that Christ is Lord and that He loves us. And that there's, you know, that he has opened his arms to us every single day for us to come running to him. And that we have to share that with them because we're all called to heaven. We're all called to be Catholic. So anyway, uh, that, that really was a really cool part I thought of the book at the very end was, was the go, the, the, the call to action, so to speak. You know, we have just about two minutes left in our conversation. And now just while you're speaking about that, like what a father is, and, and the roles of the father made me think of the fact that all these people are like raging against the patriarchy, this anti-patriarchal movement. And they kind of have redefined patriarchy to mean the rule by men. But really, it's not rule by men. It's rule by fathers. 
And I think that's a very important distinction because when you recognize that they are not supposed to be tyrants, they're supposed to be fathers. Could you speak a little bit about the, the difference between a man being a uh, ruling over their family as a father and ruling as like a tyrant? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this goes back to kind of like what Joe said at the very beginning, right, is that your, your, your children is going to see the love of the father through how you love your wife, through how you love each other. So if dad is coming home and he's um, barking out orders and he's not being the servant, uh, you know, the, uh, servant leader to his family – that's not very attractive to anybody. That uh, and kids have the best. They have the best uh, meter of knowing whether or not you're actually you actually care about it or not. You know the BS meter, so to speak. Like they know uh, <laughs> whether or not you actually uh, are living this or you're just saying this because they they're very they're uh, very aware of what's going on. So I think that it's it's really important to make sure in order to be that loving father, in order to be that, you have to show it. You have to show it to your wife, who is your first vocation. Um, and then to, and to your kids. So it's not about, uh, hey, I need you to go take out the trash. It's, son, here's how you take out the trash. I'm going to go walk with you to show you how to take it and do it the right way. And this, now we're all doing things together in the home to, to make sure that we're all working together to, 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 you know, to be a functional family. Yeah. The book is called Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place, and it's being published by Ascension Press, which you can find at ascensionpress.com. Uh, so ho hopefully this is going to have a, a great impact on many families, especially those, uh, those younger families uh, that have a, have a wonderful opportunity to really move the needle for the next generation. So Adam Minihan, we're so grateful for your time today. Thank you for being on. Hey, keep going, guys. I love Catholic Radio. I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much. How do we listen to the Catholic Man Show real quick? Sure, yeah. You can go to thecatholicmanshow.com. We're also on uh, about 30 different Catholic radio stations. So check your Catholic local listings. All right. Praise be to God. The Catholic Man Show. Check that out. Adam Minahan, God bless you. God love you. Have a great weekend. Uh, again, check them out on ascensionpress.com. Look for Living Beyond Sunday. Hey, after the break, we're going to have more breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos. And then Charles Colomb is going to be on. Should Catholics... Avoid the sacraments for long periods of time. We'll talk about that next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that Catholic theology is too dogmatic? That the faith should be freer, more liberal? Well, G.K. Chesterton says there will be no end to the weary debates about liberalizing theology until people face the fact that the only liberal part of it is really the dogmatic part. Their problem, he says, is not that there's not enough freedom in the dogma, but rather too much. The dogma gives man too much freedom when it permits him to actually be responsible for his sins. The dogma gives God too much freedom when it permits him to suffer and die. The dogma gives the church too much freedom when it gives it authority. It's not the doctrines that limit us. It is the denial of them. It's only the truth that makes us free. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. 
This one's from Reuters, and the headline goes, Nigerian opposition senators urge Buhari's impeachment over security problems. You may remember that name, President Buhari from Nigeria, under, under which uh, there was a, a lot of uh, Islamic attacks, particularly one that killed a bunch of uh, Catholics on Pentecost. Nigerian opposition senators pushed for President Buhari to face impeachment 10 months before the end of his second term in office over the country's spreading security problems. The Senate Minority Leader said on Wednesday, at a closed Senate session, senators of the People's Democratic Party tried to introduce a motion giving Buhari six weeks to improve the country's security or face impeachment, the Senator uh, Philip Aduda said. He also said, quote, nowhere is safe in Nigeria, even Abuja. Urgent steps need to be taken. We have given the president six weeks to resolve the issue or we impeach him, unquote. Breitbart says, Texas tow truck tow truck driver rescues deputy trapped inside burning vehicle. Richard Bergstrom was driving on the Sam Houston Parkway, also referred to as Beltway 8 in Pasadena, Texas, before 2 a.m. when he heard a loud crash nearby. A commercial work truck had hit Deputy Lamel's patrol vehicle, resulting in her vehicle being engulfed in flames, according to a press release from the Harris County Precinct 8 Constable's Office. Bergstrom drove up, the, up to the site of the crash and realized that Lamel was trapped inside the fiery patrol car. He initially tried punching the window, but was unsuccessful, which led him to grab a trailer hitch from his truck and break the window. Bergstrom pulled Lamel out through the window before the flames reached the driver's side. Authorities said that the tow truck driver's heroic actions not only saved the deputy from the flames, but also from the ammunition inside the vehicle that was starting to explode. Responding officers reportedly had to take cover from flying bullets upon arrival at the scene. And the Epic Times reports Russia says there is no deal on swapping Griner for jailed arms trafficker. Russia said on Thursday that negotiations with the United States on exchanging prisoners were ongoing, but that there is no deal to swap detained U.S. basketball star, star uh, Brittany Griner, for a jailed Russian arms dealer, Victor Bout. Kremlin spokes spokesman Dmitry Peshkov told reporters that so far there are no agreements in this area. And those were your headline news this morning. I'd love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us once again is Charles Colomb. He is uh, with TumblrHouse.com, has a podcast called Off the Menu. He's the author of many books, for instance, Puritan's Empire, The Blessed Charles of Austria. Uh, and he joins us now by Zoom. Good morning to you, Mr. Charles Colomb. Good morning, Joe. Good to see you. Praise be to God. It's good to have you back on the show. Uh, there's a question we... Uh, we've been uh, sort of discussing off-air as a team here, philosophizing about, and we thought it would be fun to kind of have a bigger conversation about it. And we thought of you in the, in the meantime. Should Catholics uh, put themselves in situations, occupations or otherwise, where they would be away from the sacraments for extended periods of time? Now, there's a whole host of, of uh, potential uh, scenarios that I can think of, but let me start with asking you about early exploration. I would think of Christopher Columbus, who went off into the somewhat unknown. I think they had an idea of what they were doing, but nonetheless, they didn't know how it was going to come out, and they didn't have a priest on board. Should Catholics be doing stuff like that? Not if you can avoid it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I have no doubt in his case that it was purely uh, a lack of personnel and not intent. Uh, because Lord knows, when you look at the annals of the French, Spanish, and Portuguese explorers, whatever they could have priests, they did. Mm. 
uh, and sometimes uh, they're the only uh, the, the writings of the given priest are the only um, the only record we have yeah. of a given of a given uh, trip. So, I mean, as with everything else in life, you've got to do what you've got to do. Obviously, if you're uh, if you can't get a priest, you can't get a priest. But having said that, there's a great danger. Now, the great danger is that if you don't frequent the sacraments, we're bearing in mind that the devil is always working on us to uh, uh, loosen our faith and destroy it entirely if he can. Um, it's a good way to lose it. I mean, the history of our own country and the enormous number of Catholics who were lost on the frontier because they had no access to priests and the sacraments. Yeah. I mean, huge you look at all the people just to pull a, a, a couple of rabbits out of a single uh, green hat. Look at all the people with Irish names in Texas. <laughs> yeah, Their ancestors were Catholic. Mm. But they lost the faith in a generation or two mm. because they didn't have access to the sacraments. How, that, how does one keep the faith Like whenever these people who did travel to the States and to other places exploring... A lot of them did retain the faith. How did that happen without having access to uh, the, the sacraments and to priests and to religious? Observing the uh, observing the church year as well as they could, to be honest with you. Uh, it was, I mean, also you can, you can look at the Japanese Catholics who managed without priests for 250 years. Uh, what did they do? Well, they had two sacraments. They had baptism and they had marriage. And as a result, baptism and marriage took on an importance. I mean, baptism should always be ultra-important. It's the key to the other sacraments. But it took out an importance that was really amazing mm. because that was all they had. And marriage, that was the only other sacrament they had access to. Uh, those two, and the fact that their lives were dry in martyrdoms, that was all they had. They would, it's, uh, yeah, it would, they would have to offer up every single suffering with such uh, humility and intention. And I, I think about my own personal life, right, where I have access to the sacraments. I can go to very frequent uh, confession, praise be to God, and yet it is still a daily struggle. I mean, it's a str maybe it's because I have access to the confession that I maybe don't put as much effort into, a, you know, uh, even the con uh, concupiscent nature of venial sins, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, whereas I can't imagine, I, I, I love history, I read a lot of history books, and all of those pioneers post-American Revolution who made their way, those Catholics who made their way out of Maryland, out of Virginia, and made their way towards the Ohio territories, slaughtered by Indians in some cases, I mean, think about the great peril of sickness, of of the of the opportunity to die at the hands of of conflict. Um, golly, you is. It just seems. It just seems. On as a Catholic, I mean, as I love exploration, I like to adventure, I like travel, but at the same time, should Catholics be participating in these activities? Well, again, it depends on the how, the why, the what. Uh, it hit me yesterday. You know, I was in L.A. for three weeks. Uh, I flew back uh, Wednesday, I started my trip back, I should say, Wednesday evening, L.A. time. I arrived in Paris yesterday. I spent five hours in Paris, and I hit uh, the Chapel of the Miraculous Medal on the Rue de Bac and Sacré-Cœur, 
and then I went to bed here in Austria. Now, that's very, very different <laughs> from our ancestors, for whom coming to America was a life sentence, usually. They didn't generally go back. Sometimes they did. But most people did not do a lot of transatlantic crossing unless they were either very wealthy or worked for the church or the government. Uh, and if they worked for the church, they were very often missionaries coming back to Europe to do fundraising. Anyway, uh, it all depends. Mm. I, I mean, in none of these things is there a one-size-fits-all. I could turn the thing around on you. Okay. What about those settlements and Mary Crest comes to mind, a uh, post-war experiment in upstate New York? Mm. Well, you've got a priest. You've got access to the sacraments, and you're going to form a perfect Catholic colony away from the evil of the world so your children will keep the faith. Well, that's actually been done several times, including on the frontier, the town of St. Nazianz in Indiana which was founded by a German Catholic colonists with precisely that idea in mind. But they didn't last. And they had access to the sacraments, but they didn't remain what they set out to be. The question is why? And I think, you know, it's something I've given a lot of thought to, frankly. I think the problem is when Catholics look at these things purely in terms of a retreat from a bad world as opposed to a retreat in order to evangelize mm. it fails hmm. because we're not allowed I mean even the Benedictine monasteries that we think of as pure refuges well they saved the faith in Europe and as a byproduct European civilization but why well that wasn't the main reason for doing what they did their main reason was for pursuing holiness. But part of pursuing holiness is evangelization. There cannot be, even St. Teresa Lisieux, who is about as contemplative an interior person as you're, as you're going to get, considered a big piece of her work to be opening up her, to be offering up her prayers and sufferings for the missionaries. Uh, and she used to say that had she been born a man, that's what she would have done. Mm. So, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I think a lot depends on what you conceive what you're doing to be. If you see it as spreading the faith, if you see it as evangelizing, if you try mm. to make it that, then that's very, very different than just, well. Yeah. Hold that thought. Charles Coloma is our guest. TumblrHouse.com is his website, by the way. Uh, you can find all of his books linked up there, his podcast as well. Um, now, this is an interesting conversation because after the break, I, I kind of want to follow up on something you just said a minute ago about uh, these perfect Catholic communities. We're seeing that trend again. But also, what about more modern examples like the military, for instance? All that coming up next. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10.16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection. Your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason. Just a whole bunch of people have told you that. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Charles Colomb is our guest. TumblrHouse.com is his website. We're talking about this idea about Catholics putting themselves in situations and scenarios where they don't have access to the sacraments for extended periods of time, the dangers of that, and uh, how prudent that might be. So we started the last segment talking about uh, sort of uh, the, the, the colonial examples, right? Uh, Christopher Columbus, post-revolution frontiersmen, things like that. I do want to follow up on something you said a minute ago, uh, though, before I move on to some modern examples, Mr. Colomb. Uh, about these perfect Catholic communities. We're seeing this trend again. Uh, we're seeing them uh, Ave Maria Radio, or Ave Maria in uh, Florida, rather, as, as sort of an example of that. There's a, there was an effort here in Texas, in East Upper East Texas, that's been trying to do that. We see that again and again. Um, do you see anything different in these new initiatives versus the one you stated up in New York? Well, you know, I mean, or in Indiana. the case of... You know, either one, Indiana or New York, both. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the one in Texas uh, is about, frankly, so I can't comment. Uh, with Ave Maria, the fact is that they support a university, uh, which apparently will, uh, one hopes, produce an educated class of people who make changes in society as a whole. Uh, and that... I mean, again, I, I don't know that much about the way they work, although I've been there. I have seen the place. Um, that, at least the, that idea, is precisely what I have in mind. Uh, it's a little bit like the during the, um, during the periods of uh, the penal times in England and Scotland and Ireland. The various English Scots and Catholic, uh, English Scots and Irish Catholic colleges in Europe Rome and France and elsewhere, uh, were refuges for Englishmen, Scotsmen, and Irishmen to come and be educated and to live the faith in a particularly English, Scottish, or Irish manner, but always with the idea that they were going to go back to try to help their countrymen regain their faith. Um, so, as I say, if it's done as a uh, if it's done as a means to a greater and higher evangelization, then I think it has a much better chance at succeeding and sustaining than if it's simply a question of pulling away from badness. Okay, that makes that makes me think because 
when Columbus sailed, he was not sailing thinking he was going to just some deserted land to just go exploring. He had an intention to go to the West Indies to get money to uh, be able to fund the Crusades. He had a holy vision of what he was doing. And this kind of idea comes right back to what we're talking about, these Christian colonies, these Catholic colonies. And I like what you said before the break about the fact that the Catholic people need to have a spirit of evangelization or else they lose the faith. I am very good friends with the, the TFP in Houston, and they often will talk about these Catholic colonies, these traditionalist colonies that people try to pop up, and how it's dangerous because the children do not learn that they're in a battle, that they're, they're, they're fighting against the world. And when they do that, they call, fall into a malaise, and a lot of times, not always, of course, but a lot of times they lose their faith when they realize they're not in a battle, they're not trying to evangelize, they're not trying to spread the faith. Um, and I think this leads to the question that uh, Joe wanted to, wanted to talk about us coming into here is, if we were exploring somewhere in particular, we were talking about going to Mars privately, the three of us, were like, what if we went to Mars and and you didn't have a preschool with you, like, how, what would that be like? But I, talking about this spirit of evangelization, like, why are we going to Mars? Like, there's no Martians there. There's, like, what do, that, there's, no, there's no spirit of evangelization of trying to convert people of this kind of mentality. What do you think about this, Charles Clough? Well, I mean, again, God always brings good out of uh, both evil and uh, neutral stuff. Let's say... Let's put it this way. There'll be settlements on Mars as soon as there's money to be made out of it. <laughs> All right. That's, that's just the way life is. Presuming that we don't have some sort of technological fallback and that we continue to advance technologically, which who knows, we'll see. Uh, if there is an economic drive to go to Mars, we will go to Mars. That's just the way these things tend to work. But if that happens, there, more, there will be Martians. There'll be us. And uh, there'll be souls to be saved on Mars. Uh, now, do I think that that's a, a, a wonderful idea? Well, I'll tell you, I've always been fascinated with Mars since the time I was a boy. But, of course, the Mars of uh, reality is not the Mars of Edgar Rice Burroughs or Ray Bradbury. Um <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, the minute the minute there is a permanent colony on Mars for whatever sounds like we're having some internet trouble with uh, Charles Colomb here. Then suddenly there'll be a field of engine. Charles, we're having some. Uh, we're, you're you're breaking up. You're coming in and out on that uh, on your connection. So hopefully your your connection will settle down and we'll get you get you back on. Let us know if you can, if you can hear us. But we're having a conversation about the the, the, the sort of this philosophical idea uh, about whether or not Catholics should explore, should be in exploration, or put themselves in situations where they are going to be away for extended periods of time. I was thinking of the military as well. Uh, I know when it comes to Mars, Elon Musk's vision of SpaceX is to colonize Mars. I mean, he's got a whole entire video explaining exactly how he intends to do that, how he intends to ship people and material and, and terraform it, terraform it. Yeah. And in his entire video, I watched, I don't know, a year ago or so ago, no mention of religion, no mention of chaplains or chapels or any of it, just people. 
uh, who are, can perform certain jobs uh, are going to be needed. So how many Catholics, because they're like, Mars, I get to go to Mars? Yes, sign me up, um, would jump to that but not have any access whatsoever. I mean, it's one thing to come across an ocean. It's yeah. another to fly you know, through in uh, rocket ships across space to a planet that takes you literally months to get to. I mean, many more months than it ever did uh, Christopher Columbus to sail across the Atlantic. Charles Colombo, are you rejoining us now? I am indeed. Um, the the peculiarities of the internet yeah. done transcontinental. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they don't want us it's, talking about this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too bizarre for words. But no, I, I I don't know what you what you call what I said. What I said was that there will, in all likelihood, if if there's money to be made out of it, there will be colonies on Mars, mm. and if there are, there will be a field for evangelization. Wherever mankind goes, the church has to go with it. You know, and, um, one thing I was saying while you were uh, reconnecting with us was I was talking about Elon Musk and SpaceX and his, his grand design to colonize Mars, which he put out a detailed video about a year or so ago or more. And uh, there's no mention of religion in it or priests or chaplains or, or anybody. Uh, uh, they just want the workers and um, and my thought was, how many Catholics would be excited about being a part of that mission, going to Mars, but not have any access to a priest to hear their confessions or provide them, um, you know, the, the Holy Communion or whatever? Um, it just seems like in that example, I find there are differences between that and Christopher Columbus. There's a great, vast difference between going to Mars and uh, sailing across the ocean, although there are similarities. Uh, would you say that there is a scenario, a circumstance in which Catholics probably should not participate in such exploration? Well, also they're forbidden to practice their faith. Uh, what what I'm thinking of in in this regard, you know, if you study the the uh, records of the priests on the American frontier, uh, they would they would run around districts looking for Catholics. Who basically had gone off and settled the frontier willy-nilly for whatever reason, and inevitably, would you would you read the uh, would you read the accounts of the pioneer priests, for want of a better word? Uh, there'll be things like uh, you know went went to uh, Smuggler's Cove, found four Irish families, uh, none had practiced in twenty years, heard confessions, two German families. You know, when it went three, uh, 30 miles further to uh, Hartnett's uh, Junction, found seven uh, French families, you know, who'd been away from the sacraments for years. So, my again, my suspicion is that if a Musk-like colonization of Mars takes place, some Catholics will go willy-nilly, probably not the most devout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And one way or the other, the church will have to find a way to get to them. Yeah. And, then, and in that, you have to see the hand of God if it happens that way. Mm. Now, the point you make about it being uh, about the length of time to get to Mars, uh, that's true. It would take a long time, two years almost, I think. But uh, by the same token... It might be shortened considerably if they use nuclear power. 
Yeah, good luck. In outer space. <laughs> well, in outer space, That's it's different. a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, they use them on satellites already. They have nuclear reactors on satellites to keep them going, and it would make sense, but we're not living in a world that makes much sense anymore, so... Well, no, but it, it may someday. Who knows? Uh, you know, sense is a funny thing. No matter how far your masters try to banish it, it'll come back. Because how do I put this? No matter how powerful your masters, if they declare on war on reality, reality has a way of slapping back at them. Mm. Yeah. And reality always wins sooner or later, hmm. sadly. <laughs> let's pray for that we're almost out of time here with Charles Cologne the other scenario I had in my mind we are down to less than a minute now but uh, was thinking about military service and how there is a shrinking number of Catholic chaplains serving in the military and so combat uh, troops were put themselves in some precarious situations with probably not having ready access to last rites or just frequent confessions and having served in the Marine Corps, I can tell you it is a uh, it is a field ripe with temptation and mortal sins. So uh, yeah. I wish we had more time to to dive into that. But re- yeah, I got about thirty seconds. What would you say to that, Charles Colom? I would say that it, uh, the recruitment of military chaplains, a the recruitment of military chaplains should be number one on the list of the USCCB. And I'd say number two, today's military is not what we knew. Yeah. Yeah, that's about all the time we have, but uh, boy, it is precarious, and Catholics should think prudentially before going free willy-nilly into these adventures. At any rate, Charles Colomb, TumblrHouse.com. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for your time today. We are very grateful to you. That's going to do it for hour number one, and uh, thank you all for joining us this week. We're very grateful to you for hanging out with us. Coming up after the break, Dave Palmer and Thomas Aquinas. Join us if you can. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Should churches have a structure of hierarchy? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say, no, not needed. Here are the key reasons given. Each church or denomination should be autonomous and choose their own way of governing. Well, that's wrong. Hierarchy engenders pride and ego. Same as false humility. What works in Tulsa may not work in Paris. Let's not forget that Jesus and his church cross international boundaries. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural reason, the Bible, and the church. Natural reason says all social and legal institutions institutions necessitate certain human boundaries and designated leadership. Religion's not exempt. The Bible. The epistles of Peter, James, John, and Paul show clear standards of jurisdiction, authority, and hierarchy with ramifications when ignored. And thirdly, the Catholic Church. St. Peter was given a chair, and from that authoritative chair the Holy Spirit was promised to lead that chair until Christ comes. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says St. Peter was given a chair, and from that authoritative chair the Holy Spirit was promised to lead that chair until Christ comes. The legs have been wobbly over the centuries at times, but that chair still stands strong. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Summer's here, and one of the most important things you can do with your children this summer is waste time with them. One of the best ways to waste time with kids is by playing with them. Card games, board games, group games, charades. But why are fun and games so important in family life? Having fun as a family reminds us that we are more than just a breadwinner or a chore machine. It's a way of reclaiming our identity as a family and spending time in those relationships that matter most. Fun and games helps to grease the wheels in family life and helps everyone to live and work together more effectively. Enjoying the presence of those we love also gives us a foretaste of heaven, that wonderful communion that we will have with loved ones and with God our Father. 
So ask yourself and your spouse this important question. How can we play together as a family this summer? For more on this topic, listen to our podcast on games at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to you. Hello, my name is Dr. Alex Gote, and I'm from Christ the Good Shepherd. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, radio for your soul. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Just wrapped up a conversation with Charles Colomb. If you're just joining us, uh, we we talked about the this idea, this concept of whether or not Catholics should be involved in exploration. You know, especially if it's going to take them away from access to the sacraments for long periods of time. You know, we gave examples of uh, like Christopher Columbus, the pioneers. Uh, we talked about exploration in space and uh, and more. And if you missed that conversation, let me encourage you to pick us up on our podcast feed, which you can find linked up at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. However, today's the day I send out our email to the CDT insiders. And uh, today's little gift to you, today's little gem of entertainment. Oof. So good. Looking forward to it. It's it's based on a true story. Gregory, <laughs> Loosely or? No, well, that's a good question. How I've Inspired got, by so true events. Gregory Peck plays a priest who works at the Holy Office, otherwise known as the Grand Inquisition, uh, but who during World War II uh, built a network of people to save the lives of Jews, of of uh, uh, soldiers that had been uh, kid or you know caught behind enemy lines and were uh, running away. I mean, just 6,500 people. I, th- I think he saved their lives. It's a true story. This guy actually existed, and the SS commander he eventually converted the SS commander, baptized him wow. himself. So it's a super cool story. And uh, Gregory Peck did a movie about this uh, in the 80s. So I'm just, I'm going to send that to you. You're going to get to watch it for free in the CDT Insider email. And the boy, I, I now I want to do a documentary on this man's life. Huh? So be cool. I may I may sell my house and put my kids in a van. Do you need a DP? And ju- yeah, probably because I have no idea what I'm doing. Cool. And okay. my wife will also say that. Well, I volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool story about a a real man by the name of Monsignor Flaherty. O'Flaherty. And who works at the Vatican during World War II. But you're going to get to see the Gregory Peck version of it, which is very entertaining. I watched the whole thing uh, this week just to preview it for you. So uh, I'm going to put that in the email. So make sure you're on our CDT Insider email list if you want to get access to that. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the Insider email link. You'll find the information there. It just takes a moment to get signed up. And I I promise you, you have my, my, my promise here that I will harass your inbox at least once a month, or a week, rather. It's more frequent than a month. It's Every single week, I will be harassing your your inbox. So uh, there you go. That's the uh, that's the pitch. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, Dave Palmer, host of the Back to the Father, is on with us this morning. Good morning to you, Dave. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise be to God, I am alive. And I got to tell you, but just barely, because you know what I was doing yesterday that I think you would love? Catching snakes. <laughs> 
bigger. Oh, okay. Gator. Uh, Python. An alligator. Catching alligators. Well, catching an alligator. I, yeah, I was fishing with one of my sons, and uh, I, I happened to look up, and I caught the eyeballs staring back at us. And it was an alligator <laughs> stalking us on this little fishing hole in the backwoods. And I thought, oh, wow, that's, I never had that happen before. That's interesting. And then I thought, hmm, gator tail. That is very yummy, actually. Mm. I, I am yeah. on the carnivore diet, and you can uh, eat gator. I should be able to eat gator. You have yeah. to go to go to Floyd's mm. after after the show's over and just get a <laughs> bucket of grilled gator. <laughs> that's, that's right. Joe, let me get the pelt. I need a new set of boots Ooh, here. Man. Maybe a wallet or something. I said, "Crikey, that's a gator right there." <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you ever have you ever tried to catch a uh, an alligator, Dave? You know, I've never seen in well, I've I've seen alligators like in Florida driving around, but I've never seen one in the wild or anything. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I I'm a, I'm a pretty daring guy, but I think I know my limits. And I don't know that I'd go chasing after an alligator or not. I know? think I Even could if I see a, a venomous snake, I'm like, eh, you know, it's not that important. I am a father. I've got kids, you know. So, no, no alligator wrestling. What does St. Thomas Aquinas say about alligators? I wonder. I wonder. Well, in, in Prima Pars question one, article Ooh. three, he asks Ooh. that question directly. Does he? Should you, re- should you try to catch an alligator? It's Probably the shortest answer of all. Out of the whole cinema. No. Next question, please. Said contra. Don't be dumb. Some would say. Actually ties in very well with what we're talking on the show today. It yeah. has to do with not what does Thomas say about something, but what does Thomas not ask about a particular mm. topic. So, uh, once again, great lead-in. What are you covering today on Back to the Father? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. As often as the case, something that happened on CDT inspired this week's Back to the Father. And earlier I was listening, and I, I forget exactly who the guest was, but you guys were talking about, I think, like bigamy or multiple polygamy, wives. Yeah. And, yeah, polygamy. And uh, Adrian kind of questioned the, the, the gentleman about, you know, the fact that the unnatural vice is worse than, you know, to to, to fornicate is Ill, immoral and immortal sin, but it's, it is natural in the sense that we naturally are attracted, you know, a man would be naturally attracted to a woman, so it's still a natural act, but it's, it's improper and it's immoral. But when you talk about something like same-sex, same you know, um, uh, you know, sex, it, it, that that's... Uh, not only immoral, but it's unnatural. I think, and so I thought, oh, that's interesting. So it came to my mind, you know, in the Summa Theologia, St. Thomas Aquinas, at the end of it, has a section on each of the sacraments. And when it comes to marriage, which is the very last sacrament he treats, by the way, he has 27 questions about marriage, matrimony, and each question has about four articles. So you're looking at about 100 articles, and he covers every possible angle that you can imagine from you know whether somebody can get married who has vows or whether incest is an impediment slavery is an impediment uh, you, you know bligam, you know he talks about bigamy he talks about plurality of wives he talks about wife murder if a guy white murders his wife can he get married again i mean wow. he covers every single ground so the question i'm asking today is it's interesting the question he doesn't ask okay uh, what so, could be the one question, what's the, the blind spot, the weakness in Thomas Aquinas then on marriage? And, and, I, and I don't consider it so much a, a weak spot. I think it's more of a condemnation of our age because the fact that he didn't ask it 
means it wasn't necessary to ask. And mm. the question Ooh. is about same-sex marriage. Because, <laughs> I mean, he, he asks, you know, can a, can a guy who murders his wife get married again? I mean, he asks that question. You know, you're like, like huh. interestingly, he comes down and says, no, you, you can't. If you murder your wife, you're, you're, you're done. You're not going <laughs> to get married again, okay? <laughs> uh, but he, he never even mm. goes there and says, oh, let's just get this one out of the way okay can two people of the same sex get married that doesn't even ask the question and i think it's that's fascinating it's it's telling and and he treats of you know homosexual acts in the summa it's not like Mm -hmm. it's it's off the radar it's not like it didn't exist in the 13th century but it wasn't a threat to marriage it wasn't even on his mind it's uh It's like, you know, if you saw that um, uh, Matt Walsh, uh, What is a Woman um, Mm -hmm. movie. Did you see that? I did. He goes over to Africa, and he's asking these African tribesmen about these questions that are very much alive in American culture about, you know, what if a, a man wants to become a woman? And they're just kind of looking at him puzzly, like, and they start laughing, like we never, we, we, we never thought of that. You know, it, it, that that was the reaction. You know, it never crossed our radar screen to think of a, you know. And so I think that's what Thomas would say about yeah. so-called same-sex marriage. It's like, huh? I, I had a hundred articles on marriage, and that one never even, never even popped into my mind. So I think that's yeah. telling. Well, I certainly hope Matt Walsh didn't plant a seed in Africa that becomes to a harvest of terribleness. He talks about that. He's like, you know, I le- after I left, I realized maybe I did more harm by going there and introducing these ideas to them because they never even thought yeah. about these things. I think they probably yeah. thought that were super absurd and that, yeah. that it's it's so surprising to them that this is actually something that happens day to day here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was making this point the other day uh, to my father uh, on the phone. Uh, talking about uh, some of the recent issues that I've, we've been addressing here on the show. And, um, you know, you go back to Roman times even. It, the Romans, they, they were involved in debauchery. So were the Greeks. The You know, all these cultures were. But while they were doing this, they weren't also reinventing marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was just they were committing their sins. But they there was, uh, there was a, sort of an understanding, even if it was unspoken, an understanding that, you know, marriage is the bedrock foundation of society, and you don't mess with that part. Uh, so it's, it's very fascinating. In fact, yesterday I was going through Bernal Diaz's uh, uh, book on uh, the journal of how they conquered the Aztec Empire. Uh, he, he was a soldier under Hernan Cortez, and so he documented their entire mission, their entire journey there. And he talks about meeting Montezuma for the first time and, and sort of observing his court and how many concubines he had and his relations with them. And, and, uh, and then he makes this very interesting statement. He says, and he is quite free from sodomy. And I thought, that's... Like, why would you, like, <laughs> what? Like, you know, it, just seemed, it, seemed, it caught me strangely. And that's because they were looking for that sort of perversity, like, in these people. They were, like, saying, okay, what is, what is going on in their lives here? And what are the key indicators of, of these things? And he found that interesting. Although they would eat the flesh of their victims, they would cannibalize their victims in their, in their gruesome satanic cult. They they didn't do sodomy as a result, so it's kind of weird how in our modern society we mix and match these things, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And uh, I, I uh, again, I, I there's there's uh, one of the things that also inspired me to do this is I once did a, a, a paper on St. Thomas Aquinas and abortion, and in 
you know, 631 questions and 3,000 articles in the Summa, there, there's no stone that Thomas Aquinas doesn't turn over. He never asked the question. He, he never, uh, can you kill a baby in the womb? Yeah. Go check the section under murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and it doesn't even appear there. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's funny how I think that we are so bizarre. Joe, you said earlier with your previous guest, you said we're not living in a world that makes sense. Mm. And I think that, again, this is a condemnation of our age because the, the things that we're spending a lot of time talking about are things that in previous centuries never even hit the radar. Mm -hmm. And we're wasting a lot of time de debating silly stuff. It's you know, interesting could, to say that, Dave, because I was reading Prumer who he has a his his moral manual is a, written by a Dominican friar who was uh, who wrote this moral manual so it's like you go here you can see what do, do the judges of the church teach about different moral positions and in it he talks about crimes that incur the uh, the judgment of of infamy and that was like a legal standing so like if you committed certain crimes you were became infamous meaning that you were recognized universally the local ordinary the bishop would say this person is declared infamous and this person should like not be uh, be considered in good reputation or be considered in good uh, in an upright status among good Catholics and one of the crimes that's listed is sodomy and that's like yeah. and then nowadays you'd be like what like that's what like, it's just so shocking but to people of previous ages it was just made just common sense Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a virtue that Thomas talks about in the Summa called shamefacedness. You know, it's like where you, you feel ashamed of doing something, and it's a virtue. Uh, and we should. We should feel ashamed. At, and it's not just sodomy, of course. There's a lot of things that you know, all of us are, are guilty of that we should be ashamed of, and uh, we're all sinners. Uh, but maybe, to, to Adrian, your point, there, there's not enough shame. Uh, there's not enough cultural shame and personal shame in our culture to say, Nah, we don't do that. You know, they reject shame. Yeah. They say, "No, don't be ashamed of yourself. You have to be prideful. You have to have pride in all yeah. of the, everything we do." So uh, we're down to just a minute or so here. Uh, what brought up the conversation about polygamy was this marriage act in Congress that they're only five Senate votes away from enacting, which would solidify not only same-sex marriage in the land but polygamy as well. And uh, it's interesting because in the book of Genesis, uh, starting in chapter 1, going all the way to the flood of Noah, there is an implicit uh, rejection of multiple wives. Lamech being in the seventh generation, being evil as compared to the line of Seth. Uh, Seth has a wife. Lamech has multiple wives. So the, 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 the take, the, the bottom line is there that this is not of God. It's evil. What would you say to that, Dave, uh, Dave Palmer? Yeah, I, I think, uh, and again, in the Summa, Thomas comes across, comes down on a very common sense type of approach. And he also, he's, he, interestingly, even in the 13th century, he's very concerned about the child. You know, that's why he says fornication is wrong, is because, hey, this could bring a child into the world that wouldn't have a, a mother and a father, you know, I guarantee. But yeah, he says, we, we all know, I mean, any any one of us says, hey, wife, I think we're going to add some, some women yeah. to our household. Yeah. It's yeah. like, <laughs> more honeydews. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, All right, it just hey, doesn't we're, work. We're out of time. Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Father. Tune in today at GRN Online on YouTube and Facebook to Dave Palmer, Back to the Father, 1 p.m. Central. Hey, coming up after the break, it's time to play Fear and Tribbling and give you some prizes. You get ready to call. The phone number's coming up next. What should I keep in mind when I'm trying to defend my faith? Well, number one, ingrain this into your psyche. 
The Bible is a Catholic book. The Catholic Church gave it to the world, which means there is nothing, nothing in the Bible that is contrary to anything in the Catholic faith. And there is nothing in the Catholic faith that is contrary to anything in the Bible. Always remember that. This is important to remember because a lot of times folks will quote a passage from the Bible that proves the Catholic Church is wrong. Whenever someone quotes you a Bible verse that proves the Catholic Church is wrong on something, your response should be, Amen. I believe what the Bible says. As a Catholic, I believe everything the Bible says. However, I don't agree with your personal and fallible interpretation of that passage. And the reason you don't agree with their personal interpretation is because 100% of the time you're presented with a verse that proves the Catholic Church wrong, that verse has either A, been taken out of context, or B, the verse simply doesn't say what they're trying to make it say. Number two, and this flows directly from number one, the Catholic Church can be defended solely from the Bible better than any other Christian faith tradition can be. A good bit in the various Protestant faith traditions actually contradicts the Bible. So do not be afraid to engage non-Catholics in a discussion of the Bible. And number three, if you are ever asked a question about your faith that you cannot answer, don't worry. There is an answer for that question. You just need to go and find it. Simply respond, I don't know, but I will find out and get back to you. Then find out and get back to them. As Catholics, we need to reclaim the Bible. It's our book. We need to read it, pray it, learn it, and use it to bring our separated brothers and sisters back to the church. If you keep these things in mind, you have started down the road to being a very effective apologist for the Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show with secrets and agendas. But what you need to do right now is pick up the phone and dial. Be our first caller right now for your last three chances to win this week's prize pack at 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play at 877-757-9424. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call right now at 877-757-9424. That phone number, once again, is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. But there are... Some things we like to do here, but we just don't tell anybody our secrets or agendas. So if I'm going to share them with you, then you have to promise me not to tell anybody. All right? That's the deal. Uh, number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something new about your Catholic faith. And uh, praise be to God, you'll get to, uh, you know, brag about that at the next cocktail party or PTA meeting or I don't know. Someplace. Uh, then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers are actually the best, especially when they call 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. Call right now. And then, of course, we give out prizes. And today's the day we do that. We give the prizes out today. 
So uh, call now, 877-757-9424, if you'd like to try to win. But uh, here's the kicker. I do have three Catholic trivia questions, but we will not be asking the caller the questions. So they don't even need to know the answers and could still win the game. Uh, I'll ask Rudy. I'll ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? Rudy or Adrian, and then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week was the Catholic Hun Candle Company, and uh, they generously offered to, uh, to give away today a set of four candles inspired by St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary. They're all hand-poured. Uh, they're done with a prayer in Franklinton, North Carolina. Please mm. check out their wares and Consider picking up a set for yourself. Everybody has to have a nice candle set in their home. Everybody has to have a nice candle. What do you, what, what do you want? Your house to smell horrible? Mm -hmm. Or do you want it to smell like mm -hmm. St. Joseph mm -hmm. and our Blessed Mother? Mm -hmm. So check out their wares. Uh, they're on Etsy. If you search for Catholic Candle Company, I just want to say Catholic Candle Co Company, thank you very much. Catholic Candle Company on Etsy. God bless you. God love you. Thank you for giving us prizes to give away today. We're so very grateful. All right, let's go to the phones. Skylin, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. You haven't been on in a long time. How are you? Well, good. How are y'all? We are alive, Skylin, and that counts. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, that's good. Praise be to Jesus. Now, remind us. All right, so you you work for your family at a bakery in Midland, Texas. What's the name of the place? Tony's Bakery. Tony's Bakery. And what is it you're known for? Like, what's your signature dish my signature dish is like a pizza roll or a sandwich but mm. we have a lot of them Ooh. i like pizza rolls mm -hmm. pizza mm -hmm. rolls are the bomb diggity <laughs> i typically only get the ones though from heb mm -hmm. and throw them in the microwave mm -hmm. so from this very mm -hmm. fancy place called totino's yeah there it's a he's it's chef totino he's he's really really a great chef to be honest my not favorite. the same as tony's in midland though i'm gonna be no. honest with you mm -hmm. it just doesn't hold a candle there skylin now but what's the number one item your customers demand the most um i get the pumpkin chocolate chips Punk, the pumpkin chocolate chips. Now, I'm on the carnivore diet, so that's all made from animal product, correct? I can have that. That's part of meat or something like that? Just say yes. Just no. give me a please. No. <laughs> just go the other way and just humor me. Pumpkin chocolate chips sounds very good. All right, Skylin, I know you know the rules. I know you know the deal. Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. Now, because I have a conscience, I have to tell you, uh, Rudy is wearing a tie today. What? You should know that going into this. So play carefully. It's all I can tell you. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. We shall start with Team Rudy. Are you ready? Good morning. I am ready. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Are you really sure? Yeah. Well, let's so. go with an easy one then. All right. All right. Here we go. Why not? Who is the patron saint of motorists? Ah, uh, yes. He was an Anglo who happened to be uh, of Spanish descent as well. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, his name uh. is Dale Earnhardt. St. Dalai Earnhardt. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got this morning allergy thing. Really? Yeah, it's really good. Get, get that checking out. Silly bugging Checked me. Checked out. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, one more time, your answer? Dalai Earnhardt. Dalai? Dalai Earnhardt. Earnhardt that's right. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, Adrian. <clears throat> yes, sir. Uh, you're a motorist. 
Well, I uh, am not actually a motorist, but I have a Ph.D. in motorology, though. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you should hold on to this. Who is the patron saint of motorists? The patron saint <laughs> of motorists. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, that would be the 18-foot dog-headed giant himself. What? St. Christopher. St. Christopher. Mm -hmm. Huh. Okay. Well, Skyland, you got options. Uh, Adrian says it's St. Christopher, whereas Rudy says it's Dalai Earnhardt as the patron saint of Why motorists. Are you I'm not. It's just the allergies. <laughs> 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Skyland, what say you? I'm going to have to go with Adrian. You just have to, right? I mean, like, what? <laughs> what? What choice did you have, Skyland? Please don't feel bad truly, about truly Adrian was correct. a brilliant young lady. I mean, <laughs> clearly... She's a brilliant young lady if she's going with Adrian. St. Christopher is the correct answer, but Dolly Earnhardt. I haven't heard Earnhardt. Dale, Dale, Earnhardt. Dale, it's his daddy that I was thinking Dale about. Dale Earnhardt, yeah. St. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher, are you a NASCAR fan, Skylin? Um, No, I'm not. So you probably didn't even know who Earnhardt was. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I have no idea why you're laughing. Dale Earnhardt No, is. I have of no course. idea why you're are laughing. You Dale? No idea. His dad died in a car accident while on the track racing, so pray oh, for his I soul. do know the 18-foot dog-headed giant, St. Christopher, though. St. Christopher. Yes. You didn't say Junior. <laughs> you didn't say Junior was the, was the giveaway. <laughs> All right, here we go. Second question. Here we go. We're going to go back to Adrian. Adrian? Uh-oh. Uh, since your since your PhD is in motorology, you might not know this one, but let's mm. just see. Uh, what are the two forms of indulgences? The two forms of indulgences. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those would be papal indulgences. Oh. And then those would be pastoral indulgences. I see. Okay. Which comes from um, any kind of pastor. I see. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Papal and pastoral, you say? That would be right. All right. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me what are the two forms of indulgences, please? Are you interested in buying one, Joe? Uh, possibly. I got a few to sell. Uh, can I get payments on that? Or like, yeah, uh, sure. Why not? Was it five and a half percent these days? I forget. That's actually six. Oh. Inflation, you got it. Well, anyway, uh, the ones I have for sale are plenary and partial. Plenary and partial. Yes. Yeah, that's what you're going to go with. Yeah. You're just going to say I plenary and partial. Mm -hmm. Just super on the nose. Yep. Okay. Uh, all right, uh, Skyland. Uh, I hear Master Baker back there, too, by the way. Uh, is it plenary and partial, as Rudy is suggesting, or is it papal and pastoral, as Brother Adrian wants us to believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Skyland at Tony's Bakery in Midland, Texas. What say you? I'm going to go with Rudy. Rudy? So wise. Survey says. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, can you turn the bread down back there? I can hear it rising. Yeah, can I get the uh, can I get the smell like a sheep pastoral package, please, of indulgences? That'd be mm. great. No, plenary and partial is the correct answer. You're in the cup for two. You're playing a great game, but I'm going to be honest with you here, Skylin. This next question is easily the hardest of the day. So this is definitely right, the hardest question. This You're, is definitely the hardest question we've ever had in the history of the game show. I'm going to have to agree with Adrian on this mm -hmm. one. Hardest ever, ever, ever in the history of game shows has never been one like this. Are you ready, Skylin? Yep. Back to Rudy with the tie. Rudy, can you tell me? Yes. What term is applied to a book or manuscript containing nothing objectionable to the teaching of the Catholic Church? What do we call that? That is what's known as an imprimatur. An imprimatur. Yep. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Adrian, maybe you can tell me uh, what term is applied to a book or manuscript mm-hmm. containing nothing objectionable mm-hmm. to the teaching of the Catholic Church. What do we well, call that? Yeah, so what they do is they get a stamp and they stamp it with the words nothing objectionable, which is in Latin, nikel, nothing, obstat, objectionable. Nihil obstat is your answer. That's one way to pronounce it, but yeah. <laughs> That's one, is it with a K? That's how well, it's a, a different pronunciations. I've never yeah. heard that version of it, but uh, nonetheless. All right, Skylar, we're running out of time here. Is it Nihil Obstat, as Adrian says, or is it Imprimatur, as Rudy is suggesting? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Skylin, what say you? I'm going to have to go with Rudy. No, go the other way. Go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you oh. don't go with Adrian. It's <sighs> when in doubt, go Adrian. Um, in my defense, Skylin, I did say he was wearing a tie today. Right. So. That means something. <laughs> Joe, what does that mean? I don't know, but we do need to pull but a winner. Here we go. Skyland, it's you're in, in my for hand. two. You could win. It's still possible. Let's see what God's holy will is. And uh-huh. it's yeah. uh-huh. Janelle. Janelle. <laughs> Woohoo! Our old friend Janelle. Congratulations, Janelle. Uh, Skyland, I'm sorry. You didn't win, but you were a lot of fun. Praise be to God. Thanks for playing our game today. Thank you for having me. Uh, and enjoy whatever goodies you're baking today, because I still don't think we've received those samples. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe they got caught in the mail? I'll thank you for coming out. Garlic, onion, cheese, uh, oh, you're killing place. me, Master Baker. <laughs> you're killing me. God bless you guys. Go visit. If you're in Midland, Texas, go visit Tony's Bakery. It'd be amazing. Wonderful CDT insiders hanging out with us every single day. That's going to do it for the show. If you can hang out with us in the after show, God bless you. Do so. We'd love to talk to you directly at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. We'll see you on Monday. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate the memorial of Saints Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network. All hail adored Trinity, all hail eternal unity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit ever one. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries.
I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, of a virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that the example of your saints may spur us on to a better life, so that we who celebrate the memory of saints Martha, Mary, and Lazarus may also imitate without ceasing their deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this message came from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the court of the house of the Lord, and speak to the people of all the cities of Judah, who come to worship in the house of the Lord. Whatever I command you, tell them, and omit nothing. Perhaps they will listen and turn back, each from his evil way, so that I may repent of the evil I have planned to inflict upon them for their evil deeds. Say to them, Thus says the Lord, If you disobey me, not living according to the law I placed before you, and not listening to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I send you constantly, you do not obey them. I will treat this house like Shiloh, and make this city to which all nations of earth refer when cursing one another. Now the priests, the prophets, and all the people heard Jeremiah speak the words in the house of the Lord. When Jeremiah finished speaking, all that the Lord bade him speak to all the people, the priests and the prophets laid hold of him, crying, You must be put to death. Why do you prophesy in the name of the Lord? This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate and deserted. And all the people gathered about Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. The Word of the Lord. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Those who outnumber the hairs of my head, who hate me without cause, too many for my strength, are they who wrongfully are my enemies. Must I restore what I did not steal? Lord, in your great love, answer me. Since for your sake I bear insult and shame covers my face, I have become an outcast to my brothers, a stranger to my mother's sons. Because zeal for your house consumes me and the insults of those blaspheme you fall upon me, Lord, in your great love, answer me. But I pray to you, O Lord, for the time of your favor, O God, in your great kindness, answer me with your constant help. Lord, in your great love, answer me. Alleluia, 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 alleluia. The word of the Lord remains forever. 
This is the word that has been proclaimed to you. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Many of the Jews had come up come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother Lazarus who had died. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, this feast had been changed from St. Martha to St. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. It's interesting, uh, this change, because in these gospel readings, we are thrown in the middle of their relationships, or, or Jesus, rather, is thrown in the middle of their relationships. And the other reading for the feast day of St. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus is the one where Martha and Mary are arguing about Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha is, uh, you know, he, he says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part and it will be not taken from her. And at another point, you know, when he, he raises Lazarus from the dead, this shows you that Jesus would like to enter into personal relationship not only with us but with us as a family as a community and that he's in the middle of all of our messy relationships uh, and even got messy for the good Lord when Lazarus died the shortest scripture in the entire Bible is two words Jesus wept that he wept at the death of Lazarus, that he was in the middle of their, their concerns and their cares, and he wept and mingled tears with them. But then also that this personal relationship is not just for their comfort. Uh, you know, I heard a deacon, Deacon Bernie pointed out yesterday uh, that even Judas had a personal relationship with Jesus, and it amounted to nothing. That, that it's not enough to say, oh, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. It has to lead you to faith in the living God and practice of the sacraments. Otherwise, you're not, it's not leading you to faith. It's just leading you to yourself. And Jesus and Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are a perfect model of this especially we have today Martha's declaration of faith that has, has read at many funerals. This is a very common uh, funeral text. I am the resurrection and the life. And that then when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And that's uh, it's, it's very comforting for us. So we ask the Lord Jesus through the intercession of Saints Martha, Mary, 
and Lazarus, that we could be, our hearts, our communities could be a kind of Bethany for the Lord Jesus, that he would take his rest among us, that he would be with us. And it's a, it's a very important thing for the church to provide that. Um, I was at a, a woman's house, and I was celebrating Mass. She had a little chapel in her ranch. And I was celebrating Mass there, and afterwards uh, she said, Here, I have something for you. She gave me the keys. I said, What are those? And she said, Well, I, I want to give you this house when, when I'm not around. She's only around 11 months out of the year or one month out of the year, and the other 11 months, she said, please come here and pray and be refreshed. And it was at a time in my life where it was very difficult. It was in the middle of the pandemic, and uh, there's a lot of stress and uh, very hard for me. And, you know, God, through the generosity of this wonderful woman, let me uh, stay in this place, and it was a very safe place for me to pray and get recharged. Well, that's what Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were for Jesus. They were a kind of place where Jesus could lay his head. The Son of Man who had no place to lay his head, it gave him a kind of, Bethany for, for him was a kind of resting place where he could be at peace with, with uh, where he could get be recharged. And that's also, we have to take need, care for the needs of the church that way to uh, the human aspect of the church. Normally, we celebrate, when we talk about Martha, uh, you know, we talk about how it's important to take care of the human needs of Jesus. That he, that she fed him, she took care of him, and we have to do that. We have to take care of the temporal needs of the church. If we don't, the spiritual aspect of it won't be shining forth, because the body of Christ is not just spiritual; it is also uh, the temporal area and we have to have that sensitivity and it's it's a very deep empathy and a very t deep spiritual sensitivity to be empathetic and to be caring for those needs through the intercession of saint martha mary and lazarus may we be sensitive to the needs of the church and the proclamation of the gospel let us bring our petitions to the lord we pray for the whole church like Saints Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, that God would raise up saints of our time and our generation, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders, for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. For an increase of vocations to priesthood and religious life, we pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, we adore you. 
our lives before you. How we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept it. Christ, your hands with praise and glory of his name for our good and good of all his holy church. As we proclaim your wonders in Saints Mar Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, O Lord, we humbly implore your majesty that as their homage of love was pleasing to you, so too our dutiful service may find favor in your sight through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you are praised in the company of your saints, and in crowning their merits you crown your own gifts. By their way of life you offer us an example. By communion with them you give us companionship. By their intercession sure support, so that encouraged by so great a cloud of witnesses, we may run as victors in the race before us and win with them the imperishable crown of glory through Christ our Lord. And so with angels and archangels, with a great multitude of the saints, we sing the hymn of your praise as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Blenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me.
a mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit, in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with saints Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Perceptis salutaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati audemus dicere Pater noster qui es in celis sanctifice tuur nomen tuum adveniat regnum tuum fiat voluntas tua sicut in celo et in terra Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicur et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days. And by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Agnestei, vitolis peccatum mundi, miserere nobis. Agnestei, vitolis peccatum mundi, 
Miserere nobis, agnus Dei, quid holis peccata mundi, donna nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Body of grace. Communion Antiphon. Martha said to Jesus, You are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Holy God, we praise thy name. Lord of all, we bow before thee. All on earth thy scepter claim, all in heaven above adore thee, infinite thy vast domain, everlasting is thy reign. Infinite thy vast domain, everlasting is thy reign. Hark the loud celestial hymn, 
Angel choirs above are raising Cherubim and seraphim In unceasing chorus praising Fill the heavens with sweet accord Holy, holy, holy Lord Fill the heavens with sweet accord Holy, holy, holy Lord Though the blessed twelve proclaim to the Father hymns of glory, prophets sing in loud acclaim. Martyrs tell the wondrous story, and from morn to set of sun, through the church they sing as one. And from morn to set of sun, through the church they sing as one. Let us pray. May the holy reception of the body and blood of your only begotten Son, O Lord, turn us away from the cares of this fallen world, so that following the example of Saints Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, we may grow in sincere love for you on earth and rejoice to behold you for eternity in heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulce Do. Et spes nostra sahabe, ad te clamamus, exules filii heve, ad te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hac lacrimarum vale, eha ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos, misericordes oculos, Ad nos converte, et Jesum, benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis, post hoc exilium hostende, o clemens, o pia, o duchis, Virgo Maria.
Hi, this is Salisha from the Catholic Charismatic Center, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. God bless you and your family.